The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Have you ever received a letter from the devil? Has that letter come and just utterly decimated your heart and terrified you? A letter telling you that you have failed and that you're going down in flames? That you're financially ruined? Or that someone hates you? Have you ever gotten a letter from the devil? And did you believe what the letter said? Well, in the Old Testament, we have a story of a king who received a letter from the devil. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a godly man. He was a good man. But he lived in a very, very painful and difficult time. The people of the Israel, the Israelites, Ephraim, Joseph, the tribes of Israel, had been completely wiped out by Sennacherib, the Assyrian. We find the Lord describing why this happened in Second Kings. This story of Israel represents the backslidden, sin-saturated, harlot churches of today. Israel was full of compromise, lust, adultery, homosexuality. They were totally given to the recreation, to the leisure of the world. They were pleasure mad. Just as it is today, these Israelites professed a form of godliness, but they had no power. The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and placed them in the cities of Samaria. It was a gospel of mixture. It was very evident among their ranks. Now, this mixture, let me read some of this for you. In 2 Kings, Chapter 17, verse 32. They worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines of the high places. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. Verse 40, They would not listen, but persisted in their former practices, 
even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do what their fathers did. This is what we have happening in the church today. I sat with two godly men just a few minutes ago, and one of them made the statement that we belong to Jesus, but we still, we're still going to walk in sin. I stopped him. I said, no. We must leave our sin. But I want to tell you, that's not an attractive proposition because today in the modern church, we have a mixture. We have our religious customs. We have our religious rituals. We have our worship services. But then we expect to sin, and so we go out and we feast on the things of darkness. Most Christians today in America sit in their homes and watch all of the latest programs being pumped out by Hollywood on their television, produced by godless men and women with godless values built into them. And when you sit and you watch the television, you literally open your mind, the gates are opened, the guards are removed, and all of that flows into your heart and influences your behavior. And so today, we're in the same position that Israel of old was, backslidden, saturated with sin, Our churches are, for the most part in America, harlot churches, full of compromise, full of adultery and fornication, full of every kind of wickedness, and there is no, in most churches in America, there is no discipline. There is no confrontation of wickedness. And so the gospel is a mixture. The devil has no need to seduce or harangue or write threatening letters to most in the Christian church in America today. That is because he already controls this segment of the church. In fact, he has placed his very own angels of light in the pulpits of most churches in America. He has entrusted to them a lukewarm religion of mixture, just enough tradition combined with a great deal of wickedness. Now, I don't find any pleasure in saying this to you, but I'm going to speak now very specifically. By the recent election, We have been afforded as Christians additional time to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many freedoms would have been lost under the opposition 
presidency of Hillary Clinton. The Second Amendment would have been removed. The freedom of speech would have been dramatically reduced. There are a number of things like partial birth abortion would have been supported. Now, I know and you know that our salvation is not found in Donald Trump or in Hillary Clinton. Our salvation is found in Jesus alone. We do not need a political answer to the problems of America. We need a divine, godly answer that only comes by way of Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is, by the recent election, whether you approve or disapprove, there is the open door to have a period of peace except where Mr. Soros Soros is intervening and hiring thuggery in our cities, paying demonstrators, paying people who should not be paid and who would not be demonstrating if they were not getting a paycheck for Mr. Soros, one of the most evil and wicked men ever to walk on the face of the earth. I am praying constantly, Lord, contain this man. Take him by the neck. Convert him. Bring him to yourself, Jesus. Convict him of his great sin and the destruction he has wrought on many nations, not just America, but many nations he has brought to destruction. Now, what I'm trying to say to you is that now we have been provided with an opportunity Christians around this nation have been awakened. And now is the time to seek Jesus with all of our hearts, to seek his righteousness, to cast aside the compromise, to serve Jesus alone. It is time for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel of righteousness, of holiness of a man and woman being completely transformed and changed and leaving their life of sin and walking clean before God. It's time for Christians in America to stop, to move the television out of the house, to turn off the Internet if it is a seduction to you, to turn off Facebook if it is a seduction to you, It is time to turn the radio off if it is a seduction to you. It is time to seek the face of Jesus Christ. We have a small window of grace that has been afforded us probably no more than a few years to freely proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to rise up and minister To the immigrants, the illegal immigrants that have come into America, they need Jesus. The Muslims who have come must come to know our Lord Jesus. It is a time of great stress in America, and that stress has been held in abeyance for a short time 
for us to accomplish the work of revival and the gospel under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil's onslaught is focused on those precious ones of you who have set your hearts wholly on hungering after our Lord Jesus. Now, in this story of Hezekiah and Sennacherib, the nation of Judah represents the Lord's remnant church on the earth. This church is Satan's target because the church is under covenant with the Lord and therefore poses a tremendous threat to the kingdom of darkness. Now, let's go to what happened with King Hezekiah. Up to the time Judah had been a servant to the Assyrians. What do I mean by that? I mean that Hezekiah and the kings of Judah were paying tribute to the king of Assyria. But they finally, in desperation, with King Hezekiah, determined that they would no longer pay any tribute to this wicked king, Sennacherib. Now, Satan wants to form a great band of wicked men and women to bring against the people of God and to control a nation. And so in America, they have corrupted everything that is righteous, everything that is good. The Supreme Court was corrupted when they voted that marriage can include a man and a man. Marriage was designed by God alone. Government did not come up with the idea of marriage. That was from God. And only God has the right to change the definition of marriage. The biblical definition is a man and a woman. Not a man and a man and not a woman and a woman. And so we have a total moral collapse approved by our government. We have abortion. I don't know how many babies have been murdered. Somewhere between 50 and 60 million babies have been murdered in America. We have every unclean thing with homosexuality. We have every unclean thing with lying and cheating and stealing. We have every unclean thing happening in America until the body politic is divided between those who utterly desire to cast out Scripture and prayer 
and utterly cast out from the marketplace, the Christian church, and all moral values and the progressive leftist desire to set their own standards, they are for themselves God. The progressive leftists are godless, unclean. The Assyrians represent these people in America. Now Judah, as a servant of Assyria, paying bondage, was forced to finally, literally, strip the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord. It's a picture of utter compromise, and it is found everywhere in the church today. Christians walk in fear, and they're intimidated. They accommodate worldliness. They're afraid to step out boldly and say, I am a Christian. This is what I stand for. They don't want to be scorned. They don't want to be ridiculed. So the church today pays tribute to the devil by producing wicked music that is called Christian, but there is nothing Christian about it. It is sloppy, sentimental. It depicts a false relationship with God. It's entertainment of a double standard. In the midst of all of this double-mindedness, Hezekiah is finally so stirred up in his heart, and this is after he has cleaned out the idols. He's, He's cleaned out the wickedness as much as he could in the whole land of Judah. He finally rises up in his heart, And he says, no more tribute to the enemy. This was a kind of a Holy Spirit awakening in Judah. It was a a separation between the people of Judah and the Assyrians. They'd already taken over the whole nation of Israel. And Judah could not stand against the Assyrians. But they said, we will no longer grant our money, our temple. We will no longer pay tribute to these wicked people. Now, Israel had leaned on the flesh arm of man and had sent to Egypt to see if they would come and rescue them. But Egypt proved to be of no help. And now the people of Judah and their leadership with Hezekiah as king cast themselves totally, completely, wholly upon the Lord God of heaven. Now here's the conflict. As long as this people, Judah, paid tribute, they were not harassed. 
as long as they were willing to pay the tax to the Assyrians. They were safe. But as soon as they made the decision to totally give themselves over to God, to no longer compromise with darkness, to cast out of their lives every unclean thing, when they made the decision to stop paying tribute to the devil, as soon as they stepped out in faith toward God, they were in grave danger. When they said no more compromise, no matter what the cost, no matter what the relationship that I might lose, no matter what I'm called, no matter who rejects me in friendship, regardless of the cost financially, when they made the decision to totally place their trust in the Lord God of heaven and he alone, that's when they got a letter from the devil. You see, the moment you give up on this world and put your life completely in the hands of the Lord, watch out. All hell will come against you. You will become a target of the devil. You will come under siege from the man of sin. You will be tested severely to see if you will really trust God in all things. And everywhere you look, you will see the enemy standing against you. At the National Prayer Chapel, we have talked about this in terms of going into the desert. We've talked about it in terms of being imprisoned. Because the devil has come against us with everything he has to try to break us, to cause us to side with him in the rebellion against the Most High God. When you take a stand and you say, I am going to trust the Lord God completely and wholly in every area for my work, for my income, for my relationships, for a husband, for a wife. I am going to put everything in the hands of God. Well, the first trick that will happen is Satan will come and begin to mock you. And he will have his servants who will come and say, you are utterly stupid. You should not be making this commitment to God. The accusation will be, you are going to get into such a mess and God will not rescue you from this. You will be destroyed. You are going down. You are in real trouble. Your faith is not going to work. God is not going to rescue you. I wonder... Are some of you in that mess right now? Have you listened to this broadcast and made a decision that you will utterly sell out to Jesus Christ? And then the devil has come against you? Has the devil told you that 
it's your fault. It's God's fault. The mess you're in. If you had just continued compromising, if you just tried to get along, you'd be fine. Has he told you that you're as good as dead? You may be unemployed right now and the bills are mounting up and you don't see any deliverance. You don't see any way out of what's happening. Everything looks utterly hopeless. You hear the devil laughing at you. And in spite of all your love for Jesus, in spite of giving up the world, doing the right things, trusting in God, the devil's saying to you, it's not going to work. You are going down. You're going to end up broke. You're going to end up hounded by creditors. You're going to be wiped out. You're going to lose everything. He said that to me. Many times. He said to me, you're not a success. You'll never be a success. You'll never amount to anything. Oh, he knows why to say that to me, because there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a success and I wanted to amount to something. Well, those old buttons don't work anymore because now I don't want to be somebody and I don't want to be a success in this world. All I want now is the favor of Jesus. All I want now is to please Jesus. All I want now is to make Jesus happy. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what they say to me. I care what Jesus says to me. I want him to be able to say to me, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't care about anyone else saying that to me. I don't have to have people compliment me on the radio broadcast or any other aspect of church ministry. I just wait for the words of Jesus. I want his approval. Are there troubles? Oh, yes. Someone said to me, Pastor Ray, why at the end of every month are you struggling so to come up with the money for the radio broadcast. Surely if God were blessing you, that money would be there. Oh, I recognize that argument. I've heard that before. No. The Lord is allowing difficult times in my life so that I will even more deeply trust wholly in Jesus. I make, made a covenant with Jesus. He said to me, Will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I said, Yes. I didn't know what I was saying, but I soon learned that I no longer go out and gather for myself. I do what I am directed to do by the Holy Spirit. I am faithful in the ministry of the Word. I am faithful in the preaching of the gospel. I am faithful in visiting people and talking with people about Jesus. I'm faithful in rebuking sin. 
but I only want what Jesus will give to me. I look around my house. I look around in my closet. I look at my car. I look at my dear friends, people I love. I recognize everything that I made or created or bought for myself has been taken. And everything I now have in this world came from the hand of Jesus. It did not come from me or my labor. It came from Jesus. From the car I drive to the clothes I wear, to the house I live in, to the furniture in the house, it all came from Jesus. I can have no pride in saying, look what I have. Are you kidding me? I didn't earn it. Many years ago, I said to the Lord, yes, I will receive only from your hand what you give me. He gave me this radio broadcast to talk with you. I'm so happy he did that. He also moves in your hearts to give to cover the cost of this radio broadcast. I'm so glad for you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so pleased that Jesus has moved your heart and given you to me for this radio broadcast. You are precious, brothers and sisters. I wish I could meet you. I wish I could go to each of your homes and visit with you. I thank you for being faithful to Jesus, for you are a part of my receiving from the hand of Jesus what he chooses to give to me for ministry. Now the devil comes. He says, you can't survive. He parades before me people who are very, very successful. And he says, look, if you would just compromise, if you would, <clears throat> pardon me, stop talking about sin. Start talking about success and prosperity. He comes and he tells me, if you would just be positive and talk about love, your church would prosper. People would love you. You would be somebody. But I go in the prayer closet and I hear from Jesus call my people to repentance. Call my people to get serious with me and lay aside their worldly things. Confront my people with their spiritual lukewarmness. Call my people to search after me and to hunger for me. Time is short. Proclaim, Ray. And so I receive from the hand of the Lord the message, and I come, and I proclaim that to you. Now, Satan comes and he says, it's God's fault, this trouble in your life. It's God who's making this happen. He's not fair. 
God is not treating you fairly. Look how hard you've worked. Look at what you've done. Look how you've walked away from sin. Satan comes and he says, God isn't fair to you. I'll be fair to you. Come and serve me and I'll give you everything you want. This is his best lie. He wants to make you believe that God has forsaken you and turned you over to your trouble and to your sorrow. He wants you to grow bitter and angry in your heart. He thinks that he believes that he can convince you. He thinks that he can convince you that all of your problems and all of your pain are a result of God's punishment on you for your past sins. Don't believe it. It's Satan who is out to destroy you. Jesus will never come to destroy you. Our Lord is a deliverer. Isaiah 61, verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of peace for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. No, my brother, my sister, Satan is a liar. And the Lord allows these very difficult and painful trials, these fiery trials, to come upon us, to cleanse and purify, to cause us to trust in Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, it is very tempting to become depressed It's very tempting to resort to bitterness, to anger. Satan wants to focus our eyes on our circumstances and say, look how unjust your circumstances are. Look how you're being treated. You're not being treated like you deserve. Satan comes and he says, All you have to do is compromise here. And I will come and I will deliver you. I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you. This is when he sends you the letter. The letter that he says, Look, if you'll just take my deal. I want to read it for you out of the book of Isaiah. The field commander, he says, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, On what are you boasting or basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. Of whom are you depending that you rebel against me. Look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Come now. Make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. 
I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and to destroy it. That's kind of the final argument that Satan has in his quiver. To pierce your heart. To pierce your heart and say, God's behind all of this trouble in your life. God's behind this trouble. God is making you sick because of your great sin. God is bringing this financial turmoil into your life because of your great sin. Now, when King Hezekiah heard all of this, chapter 37 of Isaiah, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he went into the temple of the Lord. They asked him to go to the prophet. He asked them to go to the prophet Isaiah. This is what Hezekiah says. This is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. That was my prayer this morning. I came before the Lord humbleness of heart and I said Lord I have I have no strength to bring revival in Washington D.C. I see the door is open for a great move of the proclaiming of the gospel I have no strength to make that happen I don't have the financial resources to do a larger broadcast outreach. I don't have the strength. It is as though I've come to the day of deliverance and I have no strength to birth the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, I've been living here a long time, but you have the strength. You have the power. And I am in agreement with you that I will only receive from your hand what you give to me. I cannot go out and grasp it in my own power, for I have no power. I have humbled my heart before God. I am the least of all of God's servants. I don't have the marketing skills. I don't have the internet skills. I don't have so many things. I don't have the strength. But my hands are lifted up to the tabernacle of God. 
My hands are lifted up to Jesus. So this letter from the devil, we find it in Isaiah 37. This is what it said. Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. And, by the way, he'd already captured all of the fortified cities in Judah. He'd already destroyed Israel. All that remained was Jerusalem, Mount Zion. The letter continues, Surely you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all of the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arphod? Hezekiah gets this letter. He reads it. And he takes it directly to the temple of the Lord. He gets on his knees and he spreads this letter out before the Lord. And this is his prayer. O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, Deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Then Isaiah sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. And then for the next verses, there is a description of what God is going to do. He says, he will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and the sake of David, my servant. Now, please, I don't care today what your circumstances look like. I only care whether or not you have made a decision to be totally given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I only care if you have determined in your heart that you will no longer be a part of the rebellion against the Most High, that you will not side with Satan against God. 
I only care that you are willing to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to break every bondage in your life, to wash away all of your sin, to cleanse you, and allow the joy and the peace of Jesus to enter into your heart. And some of you are so troubled. Some of you are so depressed and so discouraged. Some of you are so compromised with wickedness that you are hopeless and helpless. Rise up today and put your trust in Jesus Christ. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I am facing impossible circumstances in my life. I am facing things that I cannot resolve. I am facing situations that are totally beyond my power and my control. I am facing financial lack for the work of the gospel ministry that I can do nothing about. I am facing impossibilities today. But I really don't care what those things are because I have a covenant. I have a covenant with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I have a covenant with the Master himself that I will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give to me. And so should I be afraid of what's going to happen to me? Absolutely no. Am I concerned about what's going to happen with this radio broadcast? No. Am I concerned about what's going to happen with the National Prayer Chapel, success or failure? No. I'm only concerned that my heart is utterly given over to Jesus, that I seek his face. My security is not in what I can do for Jesus. My security is in what Jesus can do for me. I desire only to be in his presence, to worship him, to minister to him. I only desire to seek intimacy with Jesus, to be hidden away. I tell you this morning, I came in and I sat in my prayer room and I opened the word and I just fellowshiped with Jesus, and my heart was filled with his joy and with his peace. And I totally turned over to him everything that would cause any fear in my heart. He is everything to me. Everything else is as, as nothing. Now I prayed to him for you. I prayed that you would make a decision that you would turn away from that wicked relationship, that you would stop the alcoholism, that you would stop the fornication, that you would stop the pornography, that you would stop the world, the entertainment, that you would stop the lying and the cheating and the stealing. I prayed that God would convict you and turn you toward himself, that he would save your soul. I ask that God would break every lie that Satan is trying to use against you to turn you away from Jesus. 
I pray for you every day. I often will take these precious letters, these precious letters from Lynn, from Ron, from Alberta, from Lillian, from Dillip, from Kevin, Chris, Theodore. I take these letters. Stephanie. Charles. Richard. Alex. Shirley. I take these letters. I have them right here on my desk for a reason. Because I bring these before the Lord and I pray for you. Don't be afraid today. Choose not to be discouraged today. Choose not to walk in unbelief today. You have the victory in Jesus. Now let's conclude. We have five minutes left. Isaiah 37, verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. And one day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his God, his sons cut him down with a sword. And he died. Sennacherib, in the wildest imaginations of his heart, could not imagine a God who could come and take the lives of 185,000 soldiers in one night. But that's the God we serve. Nothing is too hard for our God. No longer are we to live in compromise. No longer are we to live in wickedness. No longer are we to walk in the pride of our heart. We're to humble ourselves before an almighty God. We're to go into the church and we're to pray. We're to go into our prayer closets and we're to pray. We're to say no to the devil. I'm not going to pay you any more homage. I'm not going to pay you any more money. I am going to serve the living God of heaven, and he alone will be my Lord. Can you say that today? Can you say, Jesus, you alone are my Lord and my Savior. You alone are the one I worship. Can you say that today? You need to be able to say that today. Jesus alone is our Savior. Lord God, I pray today in the mighty power of your name. I pray today, Lord, that you will meet your people and that whatever that Sennacherib is that's coming against them today, whatever the lies of the devil are to them today, I pray you will break those lies now by the power of your blood, 
and that you will turn the heart of your people toward heaven, toward home. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. I invite you to come and worship with us. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you the address. It's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. I also invite you to give as the Holy Spirit prompts you that this month could be completely covered and we would not struggle financially. Send your tithe or your offering, your gift, to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. One nine five. Thank you for listening to this broadcast today. May God's richest blessing be with you to turn your heart toward Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy with To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of 